Lord of Snaps himself. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power up suits and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today are two good friends from, as I like to say, way over yonder. And that is the one and only John Harris. What's happening, my guy? How you doing? I'm not too bad. Oh, I'm doing well. Getting over a little sickness, but you know, it is what it is. And then we also have Aaron from the Web Warriors Protocols. What's happening, bud? Yeah, not much, not too bad. Good, man, good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, how have things been over there uh, lately? It's been about a month since we chatted, and uh, how's how's the things going with the MCPs over there across the waves? Uh, it's been good. I mean, it, it's quietened down a little at our local store, funnily enough. We've gone from having 10 games every Tuesday to the past month or so. There's not been as many people playing Marvel, but I think that's mainly due to a major burnout for the fact everyone's been doing an event every weekend for months and the fact that there hasn't been a huge amount of releases for a little while. Right. Right, I get that. But, um, John and I are still jamming our games. We're doing another battle report after this, which should be good, and uh, they're all going pretty well. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've been uh, enjoying those battle reports that you guys do, and I can see that the seeds of the future as you kind of will continue to to refine the brand and stuff. It's it's going to be really nice to see you guys grow into that a little bit. That's good, man. I'm glad you're enjoying it then. At least that means at least one person is uh, <laughs> watching the content and enjoying it. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, guys, I'm really glad y'all came on with me today because we got the official stats for the season 8 of the Tabletop Simulator League. And this is always a fun time of year, or I mean, we do this multiple times a year, I guess you could say. This is always a fun time for me because I like to see kind of the, what the community is feeling about certain characters, certain affiliations, certain tactics cards, all of that stuff. And this event is the biggest one that they've had to date. I think it has 298 people, so nearly 300 people around the world are playing in the season eight of Tabletop Simulator League. And, you know, this this thing, for those of you that might not know, this is a really great thing. It's not necessarily the most competitive thing. Like, I know we've had the special report here, and don't worry, that's coming back. I had the flu last week. As you can probably tell in my voice, I'm still getting over it. It, it just ravaged me, believe me. But the the nice thing about this is that it's everything from a beginner-friendly tool to a competitive player's dream, if you will, because there are games that you can play in this. You get a whole week to play your game, and you could end up playing against somebody who's fairly new. You could play against somebody who's seasoned. It doesn't really matter, but it's always a good time. It's always a very casual, friendly time. And then once you start getting towards the later 
stages of the season, that's when things can turn a little more competitive for the people that are already, you know, making the cuts or have already gotten like three and O records and stuff. Like that's when it starts to get more competitive, but by then it's okay. But this, that the, I'm trying to say is this is a really fun and enjoyable thing. And if you haven't experienced a season of a TTS league yet, and if you're nervous to jump into it, I understand, but you absolutely shouldn't be because it's a lot of fun and no one is ever going to make you feel bad for trying something different and, and just playing and having a good time in the TTS Season 8 League. But with that said, it's also really cool because it gives you a chance to see the stats for what is popular and quote-unquote maybe what the meta is, but y'all know, y'all know, right, John, Aaron, and everybody out there listening, y'all know that I don't feel like there's a meta in MCP. And, and let me ask you guys this. Aaron, do you feel like there's a meta in an MCP right now? Um, I don't really, to be honest. I mean, the the thing that I use to, when people ask, is a sort of a refined meta in MCP, does everyone just take the same things as what's winning? The, the example I give is that, I play Web Warriors and do reasonably well at events, but then no one else is running them. Yeah. So I don't think there is a refined meta because you don't just see people taking the rosters that do well. Um, you see quite a bit of variation um, and fluctuation at different events, which is really good. Yeah, and, and to your point about you know someone seeing your roster, like if you publish your roster out there, and someone decides to take it, I mean, they can take that same roster all day long, but the reps and the amount of time that you've spent learning that roster and how to get the best out of that roster, I think is the secret sauce to someone like yourself having such success. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there are, I've seen people who've taken rosters that are very similar to what I run. um, And they... They do okay with them generally, generally, but I do think that you can't just pick up a roster and play um, and do super well with it. Right, yeah. I'm with you there. I'm 100% with you there. And uh, I just, I think it's all really interesting. John, what about you? Do you feel like there's a meta in MCP right now? Uh, I don't. There was a point a while back and I was on the podcast and we had a conversation about how I felt there was when we were looking at like, super strong enchantress and back in those days they were all over the shop they were in everything i feel we've moved on from there i don't think there is a defined meta i think there are some characters you see in a lot more rosters than others but they don't necessarily make the table every time like we had before um so i think the game is in a solidly good spot right now for that i think it's nice and diverse i'm pretty sure when we look at the statistics we'll see that there's a a spread of affiliations and there's a nice spread of the way the game plays. I don't think there's anything specific that you look at and you go, well, that's going to come up every time I hit the table and I need to work out what to do to counter it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dive right into some of this data. And the first thing I want to talk about, and we're going to reference two different things before I get too deep into this here. I want to give credit where it's due. We're going to reference two different things while we're talking about all this stuff here. First up, we're going to take a look at the Xavier Protocols Season 8 roster stats. He wrote a blog on it, and shout out to Jacob. Thank you so much for all the hard work that you put into this. It's really appreciated. So we're going to, we're going to 
look at what he wrote. And he did an interesting thing here because he had the data from before the rosters locked, right before they gave away the standard uh, stuff, you know, the, the challenger event packet and all that stuff. So the rosters were supposed to lock the day they gave those out. And the TTS league was like, oh, oh, oh let's think about this. And so they went back and they said, okay, well, we're going to uh, adhere to standard. So they pushed the league back a week and here we are now. But the nice thing is he gave us the data that is the current and the change from the old rules, which is really nice, I think, which I, th I think will be very insightful. And then also shout out to a uh, HPP suit patron of uh, Cinnamon Rolo or Rylan, as some out there might know him. So I know he's in a lot of different discords. He kind of made a spreadsheet and, and just put that data out there. And we're going to reference that a lot too. So those two different things are, are out there. This, um, the one that Cinnamon Rolo did is on our discord page. If you want to come and find it, it's in the general tab there. You can scroll up, find that data and, that way you can kind of follow along with us if you're not driving or something like that. But I digress. So let's start with talking about just affiliations and in general how Jacob has it broken down here with affiliations by single affiliation, double affiliation, and so on. And some mad lad out there, I'm sorry, two mad lads out there are running five affiliations in a list. Like, what kind of... I saw that, and I was trying to work out, and I haven't done it yet, because I really wanted to try and figure out how you fit five full affiliations in and what you're taking to make that work. I have no idea, but I hope that person does really well. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> It'd be amazing to see them win five games with five different affiliations. That'd be amazing. That, that would be a badge on Longshanks for sure. It should be a badge in real life if they manage that. I know, right? You should just get a trophy just for winning five games, five affiliations in one <laughs> event. My goodness. But the, the most interesting thing and the most common thing we're seeing here is single affiliation accounts for 227 of the rosters and double affiliation, dual affiliation, as we like to say sometimes, accounts for 64 of the rosters. So clearly a lean towards single affiliation. And... I've been a proponent of a double affiliation for a long time, even though I run a single affiliation now. For a long time, I was like, look, double affiliation's great, man. Like having one hard question for your opponent to answer and then maybe having other the other affiliation there to answer whatever questions that that one other roster might not be, or that one other affiliation might not be able to do, I think is really interesting. But clearly the community thinks single affiliation might be the way to go. And how do you guys feel about that? John, I'll start with you. Uh, I've always run single affiliations, um, but I build my list oddly. I like to squeeze in as many affiliated characters as possible to give me as many choices to play and maximize some tactics cards. So I've never really gone dual because it limits my tactics cards. It limits the characters I can squeeze into rosters. Um, but I have seen... The benefit potentially occasionally of going dual, but as I say, personally, I've always been a one affiliation guy and always vouch for that. So it doesn't shock me greatly. Yeah, I got you. And Aaron, I know you're pretty much a one affiliation guy, right? Yeah, so for me, it's um, very much all about just having the one affiliation. I think that's the best way um, to make the most out of a roster. And I think if 
as John said, you want to have as many choices as possible. You want to be able to do everything that you might need to in a game. The single affiliate is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the one of the things I like about playing Convocation like I do is while it's a single affiliation, because I have so much flexibility with my leadership and because I have so much flexibility with who I make my leader and stuff like that, it feels like I'm playing a dual affiliation. And if I ever yeah. go away from them in the in the coming days, I'll probably start to try to play more dual affiliation again just because I enjoy that. You know what I mean? I think it's a lot of fun to try to have yeah. uh, a lot of different tools at your disposal. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yep. So next up, let's talk about the affiliations that are popular right now. And lo and behold, Criminal Syndicate bringing in the top spot at 17% of rosters. Now... Yeah, they're they're taking over a little bit. Yeah, they have. And considering how popular Brotherhood was last season and how good the Guardians of the Galaxy is... I'm shocked to see Criminal Syndicate on top. And I've seen a lot of rumblings out there about why this is and whatnot, and we can dive into that a little bit, but I don't want to get too deep in those weeds. But Criminal Syndicate being number one, I think, is a very interesting thing. But we've got Criminal Syndicate number one, Avengers number two, Brotherhood number three, Guardians number four, and then X-Men rounding out the top five, which admittedly... It's, it's not a lot. Like, there's not a lot of X-Men rosters. Out of the 398 people that are playing, there's only 24 X-Men rosters. So, it's not a lot, but it's still interesting to see them in the top five because they've been one of those, like, kind of on the cusp. Like, we like them. You know what I mean? Like, I like the X-Men. I know John likes the X-Men. but Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, what? how do you feel about seeing them up here this high? Uh, I'm impressed to see them this high. Um, as we all know, I've been a big proponent of the mutants, particularly the X side of the mutants for a long time. Um, but I think their boost is very much down to the newer releases. I think the newer releases have given them some oomph, some fight, some things they were lacking before. It's got some control. They've got some hard-hitting characters. It's nice to see the resurgence. And I'm really excited to see what some of the people on TTS can do with them. Nice. Yeah. I'm ex- I'm excited too. I I'm, I I really like seeing these characters on the table. And I will say as a convocation player, I'm not too upset when I see Honey Badger and X23 across the table because I feel pretty confident in my ability to one-shot them with my mystic attacks. <laughs> yeah, Honey Badger and X23 do not like anybody with any kind of mystic attacks at all. I say that and watch the first time I run into them, I'm going to get smacked. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to get X-23 first, because if you let X-23 get to you, you're in trouble. Absolutely. So the other surprising thing here, I've got to say, is zero people, zero, took X-Force. Like, I know X-Force is is not the best for a myriad of reasons, but no one is playing X-Force. Man, like, I feel bad for my boy Dizzard, because I know he loves him. Aaron, do you see people play X-Force kind of in your area over there? Is that something common for, for to see? There's one guy, um, arguably one of the best players in our local group. He doesn't really do lots of events, but he's been playing since before I got into it. And right now, he's very much on that X-Men train. And he's come close to just flat out tabling more web warriors a couple of times. Um, I know he does really well with a bunch of people. 
um, in a bunch of games. So I was really surprised by the fact that literally no one has taken them, to be honest. I don't think they're amazing, but I think they've definitely got legs. Um, arguably as much so as some of the other affiliations that people are taking. So it's it's weird to say that no one has them. Right. There's a there's another guy, Thomas Vickers, that comes to my events that runs just X Men. He always does um, quite well, generally speaking. So it, it's really really weird, really quite surprising for me. Nice. Yeah. I um I just I find it very interesting. Now let's move on and talk about some of these characters that have been taken here. Unless there's anything you guys wanted to say about affiliations before we move on. I'm just sad the Web Warriors, I think they're at minus 1% to last, uh, last, um, last season. Uh, they're at minus 1% from the change uh, before oh. the standard rules. Yeah, so, so that's what that is. It, and I still think it's interesting, and I'm definitely sad as well because Web Warriors to me is just one of the most fun affiliations to play. I still love my Web Warriors. Like I've got my convocation roster in my box, like ready to go, but I always have a Web Warriors roster at all times assembled yeah. and ready to go just because I like to play them sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, hey, I'm having a game night. Well, I'm going to play my Web Warriors tonight. Let's go. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, how they get on in this season. I think the big thing for me when looking at the TTS season is, is that usually the cuts, so the top 16, end up all having very similar rosters for the most part. So it'll be interesting to see if that's still the case this time around, whether we end up with everyone running Crim Syndicate or whether, you know, some of these obviously affiliations make the way in there. I think it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hopefully there will be a convocation player in there too. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Hopefully we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting to see these changes and everything here. And um, you know, I, I don't think that this speaks to anything being overly popular. Like the, the criminal syndicate is only in 17% of the total rosters, which I mean, that's less, less than a quarter of the entire thing is criminal syndicate. So like, you know, I think it's interesting when you look at it and you think about it in those terms, right? It's still not that popular of an affiliation. It's just the most popular in comparison to some of the other stuff. And Avengers is nipping at its heels. Realistically, it's not completely overbearing as some affiliations have been in the past. Because I think in the past, you've had times where there's just affiliations that are absolutely everywhere, haven't you? Right. So I think it's quite refreshing that it's sort of mellowed out a little bit. Exactly. And the people are running different things. Yep, and there's so much now. I mean, we have Shield, you know, we have uh, the Dark Dimension, all these different things. So it th there's a lot of different stuff that people can go with it. Uh, all right, so characters now. So yeah. the number one most popular character, and Suits, I'm sure you've already heard this, but uh, it's Toad. Toad is the number one most popular character. Like that's amazing. I mean I think Toad is phenomenal. So I wasn't overly surprised to see this. Um, everyone in our local group uses the frog. Everyone's always said how good he is. Um, and he, he just is. He's just a really, really, really solid character. And he always has been from the moment he's released. Oh, absolutely. He is a really good character. He's the bane of my existence. I swear to God, I can't ever 
get the one shot on that character. Like I could one shot Gamora, apparently, but I cannot one shot a Toad when he's standing there with a stupid objective. And then you know what happens? I always talk myself into it. I'm like, all right, I'll go after Toad, and and we're gonna we're gonna get rid of him and get this objective off of him because if I don't get it now, I'm never getting it back. And so I go for it. And what happens? I do like three damage. And you know what three damage does? It gives him enough power to do a slippery medium away. And then I never caught him again. Then you never see the frog again. That's right. <laughs> Until later on when he somehow gets dazed and then comes back with a spit acid on me. And it's like, really? Been here this whole time? <laughs> but, oh, yeah. It's all, it's all definitely um, a pain when he decides that, you know what? I'm just I'm just gonna choose violence because spitting acid is pretty nasty when it needs to be. Oh, it definitely is very nasty when it needs to be, and I can't stand it. But he's rather popular and he's at thirty-six percent of rosters. So a hundred and seven rosters have toad. And I think that's pretty interesting. When you look at, again, the total numbers and everything, now granted, still not on the level of like what Okoye was back in the day, because Okoye was, was I think, darn near oh, 60% on one of them. I can't remember. It's been a long time since we, we had her on there, but I mean, she was up near 50, 60% or something like that. But Yeah, she, she was absolutely similar. Right. And... You know, so we're not we're not talking those levels there. And I will say this, and I'll say it over and over again because I think it's true. A character being popular also does not mean that they are broken. Toad is a very good character, but he is in no way, and even though he frustrates me, he's a purpose-built, single, you know, use character, right? Like he does he does what he does very good. And if you don't have a plan to deal with a toad. You might want to start devising one, but he's in no way broken. I don't think that he what he does is, is any kind of bad for the game or anything like that, you know, because I think there's definitely been conversations around characters being broken recently, and I don't think he's one of them just because he's popular. But the fact that he's in 107 rosters, I mean, that's awesome, but it also means that, you know, if you're playing in this kind of league or if people that aren't playing in this league but just playing locally, but maybe they follow podcasts and stuff like that, you know, they're going to see Toad being popular and you're probably going to start putting them in their roster. So what I would say to people out there listening is have a plan for Toad. Realize he's coming. You know, you got to figure out what he's going to do. He interacts from range two, which gives him that little bit of extra safety. So you have to figure something out for sure. And John, have you had any interactions with Toad that kind of frustrate you a lot? Uh, I think there are some with Toad that are frustrating. Um, I think that interaction from two is his main selling point, um, particularly on objectives that are central based, so like spiders and cubes and stuff. And he just he moves up and he's in the middle, but he's not in the middle and he's grabbed an extract, but he's still in relative safety. So you can kind of afford to get him up there as the first one and take a middle point and still be safe. Yeah. And it's, it's moments like that where you look at Toad and go, I can't double tap him if he stood where he is, having grabbed the middle objective. Maybe with somebody like Winter Soldier, I could probably get one shot in. But as mm -hmm. we just said, if I don't one shot him, he just slides further back and then he's out of the way. It's really those center objectives where Toad annoys the hell out of me. Absolutely. Yeah, 
Uh, I hate it. Unless he's obviously on my roster, and then I take great pleasure in doing exactly the same thing. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Why wouldn't you, right? Why wouldn't you? Uh, Aaron, does Toad make your Web Warriors? Because I've played him in my Web Warriors a fair bit, and I feel like he fits pretty well. Oh, yeah. Toad is always in every single one of my rosters. Um, He's great. He he loves the defensory role, and I think one of the things that I really like is using the defensory role to get rid of some successes to give him the power to slip through, because I think that can really throw people off. Um, Obviously, React... Interacting at range two, as John said, is the main selling point for the frog. But he's just great all round. I mean, yeah. the hop adds to his maneuverability. He does actually have a push on his builder. Um, you do need a wild mine, but it's still there. It's still potentially there if you need it. So I've just found the top, the, the frog really useful um, for everything, really. He, he's just a really solid two-threat character. He's the only one I've ever really ran. I mean, I played around with Bullseye for a little bit, maybe had five or six games with him and uh, just went back to the frog, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, for real. So the next character we're going to talk about here is the number two character taken, and it's Hood. So Hood's a character that I've talked about a fair bit on this show, and it's a character that I really like. I think he's, he's pretty good, and I don't think he's overly great, I think he is very susceptible, especially on his normal version side, to the one shot because he has pretty low defenses. If you are standing there toe to toe with someone that's a heavy hitter, they can they can burn you down pretty good. But Hood is Metal Syndicate affiliated, so it makes sense that he's up here near the top. But also with the changeover to the standard format, there's been a lot of healing lost. And I think that Hood's popularity is shown in the change from the old rules to the new rules. He gained 10% boost. He moved up 10% from where he was to where he is now to 31% of rosters. And I think that's mainly because people want the heals. And I think that he's a really good character, but I think people are going to be maybe a little bit surprised with kind of what his utility really is on the battlefield. Have you had much experience with him, Aaron? Yeah, so um, Hood, I've probably played around 50, 60 games with him, maybe maybe a little bit more. Um, I think he's amazing. When Dr. Voodoo and Hood first came out, I said there and then that I wasn't that interested in Voodoo and that Hood, for me, was why I picked up that box. Um, He's possibly one of my top three favourite miniatures in the game, which always helps. Oh, yeah. And he's just made loads of my rosters because he's just so good. I mean, Empowered Dark Lightning and the normal Dark Lightning um, are absolutely great for pushing through vital damage on characters that you're not targeting at the time. And then on top of all that, on top of his already quite aggressive kit on his demon side, on his healthy side, as you've mentioned, he does have med pack on a stick almost, which is just really useful. And the moment I saw the new changes... The first thing I said was, yeah, that means Hood's going to be everywhere. And lo and behold, Hood has shown up as as expected, as, as you know, I thought he would. And he's just absolutely everywhere. And I couldn't be more happy because he's one of my favorite characters in the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and he's really good. And you mentioned Empowered Dark Lightning. I mean, that attack right there, it's range three. And for each wild that you roll, another character that's within range three of the target gets two damage, right? Yeah. That's insane. I mean, it's awesome. And then he transforms back into normal hood. And 
I'll tell you, if you see a hood on the board and he's in his demon side and he's got enough power or he's like one power off or something like that from doing an empowered dark lightning, you better recognize because it's coming and it, it hits like a truck a lot of times. And if you're clumped up and you don't have to be that, that clumped up, but if you're even a little bit clumped up, it's going to hurt. And the interesting thing about that is though, Hood hates mystic attacks. So if you are going to play against a hood and you don't have a mystic attacker, or maybe you have a mystic attacker in your roster and you think they're bringing hood, you should bring that mystic attacker because if he gets into the demon form, a mystic attack automatically sends him back to regular form where he's way less dangerous. He's still good. Don't me wrong. Still, still does work, but way less dangerous in his human form than his demon form. And the only the, the easiest way to get him into that is to use a mystic attacker. So that you know, a hood on hood action. That works good too. <laughs> John, have you had any run-ins with Hood? Yeah, I've run into Hood myself. I've obviously run into Hood plenty of times. Um, I think he's one of those characters that was slept on. And I think he was slept on because Voodoo came out and Voodoo's kit is just stupidly good. So I think everybody kind of like slept on him for a little while. And it was only over time people started to see that actually on the tabletop, not only is one his transform mechanic, as all transform mechanics are, cool, um, but actually his transform mechanic is possibly the most different and the most impactful in the way it works. Um, and then when you add to that the fact that he's got like a mystic rapid a mystic rapid fire on his first side, and if you really wanted, you can blind obsession that mystic rapid fire and pretty much wipe something off the board. His popularity is just kind of spikes. Well, I say you could blind obsession it. I say could because you can't now. Um, but right. that only helped him at the time. But he's a solid piece. He works really well. I just think if you've added him in for the heels. You probably want to get some reps in with him beforehand because he is odd to use and a little bit awkward at times for the first few games until you really work out where you want him to be safe. But then when you're moving forward to do what it is that he needs to do. I think that's exactly it. It's He's a little awkward when you first put him on the tabletop because his rapid fire, you only get it on a hit. So you've yeah. kind of got to plan around that. And then in Criminal Syndicate, Shadowland Daredevil's leadership, yeah, you get the reroll when someone's contesting an objective, so it helps with that and everything. But kind of getting his power flowing, when to use his invisibility cloak, you know, when to do different stuff to kind of keep him safe versus flip to the demon side and stuff like that. You know, kind of figuring out all that uh, minutia is definitely difficult with it, with that character because there's a lot going on. But he's he's a pretty good character. So yeah, I think once. Once you've figured it all out, he's well worth putting on the tabletop if he fits in your affiliation and you think he's going to give you something against the opponent. 100%, 100%. So the next thing I want to talk about here is the fact that I thought that Heimdall would be literally everywhere. I thought Heimdall would be towed in this instance. You know what I mean? Like I, I thought we were going to have, you know, 60% of rosters have a Heimdall in them potentially. But I understand that, you know, Maybe a little bit of the cold water's been thrown on him at this point. And I, I think that it, it, he, I think he's great. I mean, he's in my roster right now. Um, 
but also the fact that for TTS season, they aren't letting him be affiliated because the affiliation document hasn't been updated with where him and Scourge go. So, with that, are you guys surprised to see Heimdall kind of still within the top 10, but not as up as high as you maybe thought he would be? Or does that make sense for y'all? No, I'm kind of with you. I didn't realize that for this, they hadn't allowed to be affiliated, so that does make a difference. Um, But I 100% expected we were going to see Heimdall all over the place. His ability to allow somebody else to re-roll two dice on pretty much any time you need to roll dice is mad bonkers. It's very fitting for Heimdall, but I genuinely thought due to that, it was just going to be all over the shop. Three threat means you can easily squeeze him into any kind of roster that you want a bunch of re-rolls in there for. Um, he's Asgardian, so he's gaining power all the time. It's not a problem. Um, however, as I literally just learned that he's not affiliated with Asgard, I can kind of understand why he's dropped down a little bit. Yeah. Um, because taking three threat of unaffiliated in an Asgard list is difficult when everybody that is affiliated is so expensive. Um, so that kind of potentially accounts for his percentage being about, I would say, 10% roughly, just under somewhere lower than I'd expected. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Aaron, do you have any feelings on Hamdahl? Heimdall? Yeah, so as you said, I did expect him to pop up a bit more. Um, I also didn't realise I haven't allowed him to be Asgard if he had in the season, which is a little bit odd to me. Um, I think we all know that at a minimum, that's where they'll both be. Um, I think if he had been allowed to be affiliated along with Scourge, what we'd assume, which would have been quite nice, is a... Um, a surge in Asgard affiliation players. A scourge, you may say. A scourge in Asgard <laughs> affiliation players. Yeah. Um, sadly, like you said, they haven't, which is fair because ultimately, I suppose, you don't know whether they're going to be in things like Cabal or not. Um, but yeah, I, I did expect him all over the place. A little bit more than what he is at the minute, but I'm, I'm still not surprised to see him rocket into the top 10 uh, straight off the bat. I think a lot of players like, say, yourself, Will, myself, and John, will feel a lot more confident to just take a character like Heimdall after not really using him a lot. Well, I think for a lot of people, the main thing is that they won't have used him, so they don't really want to risk putting him in yet. But yeah. maybe when the next season comes around and people have had more reps and people sort of understand uh, how good he is. Sort of like what happened with Black Cat, because initially I don't think Black Cat was everywhere, but then after a while she was, obviously. Well, yeah. So I think... I think We'll we'll see a big sur- a big scourge in the two of them um, <laughs> moving forward. Maybe just not right now at the minute because of the conditions of them not being affiliated. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. But uh, other characters I want to mention here, and um, it, the next biggest one that I want to mention is also the biggest drop between the old rules to the new rules, and that's Lord of Snaps himself, Thanos. He had an 11% drop. So he was in 20, I guess it makes it 24% of rosters. So that would have put him up in the territory of Heimdall, Dr. Voodoo in the 75 rosters range. So, but he's dropped to where he is now only in 38 rosters or 13% of rosters. And I think this is a direct direct thing about how the gems got restricted and everything and it made the Thanos splash a lot harder to pull off and when we look at the numbers for Black Order there's 24 Black Order players 
So there's still a Thanos splash out there, but it's not nearly as prevalent, it looks like, in my opinion. And I find that to be really interesting because I know Thanos has kind of been the big bad for the better part of six months to a year, I guess, in this game with his ability to be so flexible and with all the the different gem combinations, each gem combination being something pretty great. And then just playing a different type of game. But I think Thanos and the Black Order are really in a, still in a good spot considering there's not much healing left in everything. And John, I'd like to get your opinion on Thanos and like, do you feel like that it's a good thing that he's kind of been brought back in line with some of these changes or is this just people being scared of the changes and kind of maybe an overreaction for him dropping so much? Uh, I'm surprised that he's dropped by 11% since obviously standard hit. Um, I do think he was maybe in too many places too often because the gem rules have made him too flexible. I know we didn't see a lot of him before because the gems took up a slot and that became awkward to splash him in places. But then those changes meant that he was everywhere and you'd see him in Guardians rosters, you'd see him in Criminal Syndicate rosters, you'd see him in Spider-Fire roster. You'd literally see him in anything. If you went against somebody that really wanted to splash Thanos and you were playing 17 foot or higher, there was a Thanos on the table. Um, So I'm not sad to see the drop because the drop, when you look at the numbers, does just look like it's splashed Thanos. Um, I can't imagine many of those Black Order rosters that we've seen haven't taken Thanos. I know we have the ability to run Corvus as a leader, which I do think has some legs and could still work. Um, but I imagine Thanos is still in those rosters. So a small splash, which I would suggest is a direct result of the kind of standard changes, isn't a bad thing. And I don't think it's hurting too much because, you know, 13% is still a solid percentage of appearances. It just means he's not everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Aaron, what about you? Um, I'm really happy with the changes to Thanos personally. I picked him up one point. Uh, from a from a local store boarding room, um, to have a play around with him, played him a couple of times and just thought, wow, this is this is quite boring. I didn't enjoy it, and I weren't obviously playing Black Order. I was playing Web Warriors, and it was so easy to just drop one character and put him in and not think much more about it. I mean, I, I honestly think I could easily have gone to any event that I've played in and found space for him there. I think now with the fact that. In order to take him, you, you you're realistically giving up either one or both of your restricted slots for his gems. Now puts him around where he should be. Yeah. Um. I, I think that his presence had become very diluted. He was just everywhere. So I think now it's it's going to be a lot more fitting that when you do see him, obviously he's an absolute pain to deal with, but he's not just popping up in every team everywhere. Yeah. Because as John said, I mean we we went to an event. Um, 32 players and nine of them had Thanos and I think one of them was playing Blackwater and I think that showed really um, I, I did a little post talking about it previously the fact that he's the most expensive character in the game yet gets splashed in really showed that there was a little bit of an issue and I think AMG have definitely gone the right way about amending that they haven't just banned him which you know obviously would be I think outrageous it would really upset a lot of people they oh, yeah. haven't just banned any of the reality gems they haven't gone back and on them They've taken what they've got and made a workable system that I think personally worked really well. Um, and, you know, it's it's been reflected now with the Season 8 roster stats because we can see the direct impact that it's had on people taking him. Um, 
I think it's good overall for the game. I'm sure there'll be people out there that are less than thrilled about having spent the money to pick up Thanos and not being able to just flash him into the roster so easily. But ultimately, um, in terms of game balance, in terms of player experience, I think it will be a lot more enjoyable to not just look at every roster as nine characters and Thanos. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do you and, think this is as close as we're going to get to see, like, without AMG restricting a character, you think this is as close as we're going to get to seeing a character restricted? Because I feel yeah. like that's functionally what's happened here. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, we talked about affiliations just, and the high surge in Criminal Syndicate, I think, has got a correlation between the drop-off in Thanos, because... If you ask any criminal syndicate player, I would imagine that playing against Thanos is their worst nightmare because he gets them off the points. They've got nothing really to deal with him. You know, he, he, him alone is a pretty hard counter to the, the Crimson game plan. Um, I know Elliot, who, who's played Crimson for the longest time, uh, really didn't like going up against Thanos and has struggled in the past. So I'd imagine that with the power vacuum left behind by not having Thanos everywhere, it's given the Crimson syndicate a place to shine and to step up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to give you guys a chance here to, to let me know, are there any characters that stand out here to you guys that maybe weren't taken enough or that maybe were taken a little too much, you think? Anybody that stands out to you? I'll start with you, John. I think Winter Soldier jumping into the top five is an absolute shocker. Well, it is and it isn't. I think... It is, because if you look at where he's been in previous TTS seasons, he is nowhere near there. Um, but it's not so much of a shock, because anybody who has played any amount of games with slightly amended new card pack Bucky Barnes understands just how tuned he now is and how gross he can be to deal with once he gets some power. I mean, the amount of damage output he can put through... And the fact that he can practically one-shot anybody that is on the table and he just gains power constantly for doing it means that he opens up so many opportunities and he just... He can practically win you games on his own at points that I'm not surprised he's hopped up, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, not at all. And that's another one that I'm glad you you brought him up because I think he's a really good character. And he's, again, like we're talking about splashability, I think, a little bit here. And... He is a really great splash character because one of the things that's really good for him is, especially with his splashing in Criminal Syndicate, which is where kind of the the popular spot for him right now. And now granted, he's taken 82 times and there's 50 Criminal Syndicate rosters. So there's still... 32 other rosters that he's in, which, you know, Avengers is a great place for him. Shield, he's affiliated there. And whenever their grunts get killed, whenever the criminal syndicate grunts get killed, boom, Bucky's triggering, got your back. So, you know, that kind of stuff right there is is really nice, really synergistic. And in a Shadowlands Daredevil criminal syndicate list, Winter Soldier being able to get those rapid fires off fairly regularly being, you know, flooding the board with a bunch of three threats and Shadowland Daredevil getting a re-roll if they're contesting an objective. I mean, it's, it makes it stand out pretty good. And another thing that Bucky's really shined in lately, at least when I've 
had him on the tabletop is the kind of not only the got your back mechanic, like everybody focuses on that, but his ability to kind of Spetsnaz training his way up into the fray and then just go ham for no reason at all and just start wasting people when he gets that reroll and everything going is pretty great. He's, he's a really good character right now. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I wish is that he was only a single point of, of power gain instead of equal to damage dealt on his rapid fire attack. But I think it makes a lot of sense the more I think about it. But, uh, Aaron, what about you? Um, all I'm going to go a little bit out there and say that I think Bucky is now the best character in the game for what, for what you pay. Um, they're a free threat. He's absolutely insane. I mean, I hadn't really run him because I don't own him. But I started trying him out a few weeks ago. Um, and every single game, he's just been obscene. I think he has definitely been overtuned a little bit. Um, That's interesting. He, he, he's crazy good. I mean, the, there's some games I've played where he'll use Spetsnaz training five times in one turn and in the process pick an objective up and dive two characters. I think he's absolutely mental. Um, we've used him a few times on the channel. I'm probably going to give him a run out with the spider files a little bit tonight. I'm sure John will love that. But um, yeah, I just think <laughs> he's, he's he's definitely come out on top of a lot of the new characters. Yeah, I, I don't know about overtuned, but I understand where you're coming from there. Just, I mean, the, the fact that Spesnas training is, you know, really good. Oh, I'm sorry. And I, I said Spetsnaz training. I meant Hydra Tactics the whole time I was saying Spetsnaz training. Spetsnaz yeah, training that's is what a, I meant for the re-roll. Yeah, I, I said it. You said it. It makes sense. But uh, I, I meant Hydra Tactics. I'm sorry. It's been a while since I looked at his card, and I was kind of going off the cuff. But Hydra Tactics is, is really powerful. And if you can save his power by not using Got Your Back every turn, which you're not going to. You're not going to use it every turn. Uh, and then be able to Hydra Tactics your way up the board to get into a place where he can then get in that range for a red fury, which is a very good attack with that Spetsnaz training. I mean, yeah, no, it's super good, super good. So Aaron, do you have any characters that you want to talk about that maybe anything stands out to you from taken, not taken that kind of thing? Um, I think there's definitely a lot of interesting, um, changes. Hulk's dropped down a little bit, hasn't it? Um, yeah. From the initial, submission Thanos as you said is by far the biggest drop off Luke Cage I think though um, going from pre is it pre-submission from the old rules to the new rules Luke Cage other than Hood has had the biggest increase so he's jumped up 6% which yeah. um, is quite surprising I think he, he, he does help with the fact that there's less healing out there because he's a very very good tanky character so I suppose having him to jump in the way of some of the more flimsy models, he's going to be really useful. Absolutely. And he's got that great tactics card. I mean, Heroes for Hire is a great tactics card. Oh, Heroes for Hire is still one of the best cards in the game. Yeah. And I also want to, I want to mention, there's no character, not a single character this season that is not in at least one roster. And I think that speaks to the health of the game overall. Now, granted, person who took Viper, good luck. I, I salute you. I that will. I've got some secret sauce on the way with uh, Sin and Viper. I'm, I've got to admit. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I have 
played a game and Viper single-handedly won me the game. Like, she was able to get an objective, run away, and not take damage. It was awesome. But... I mean, I think there's something there with Sin led Cabal. Oh, I think, um, I think Sin... The bot, I'll be trying it out. Yes, I actually think Sin Cabal, like a super wide Sin Cabal, is pretty good. Like, I, uh, I think there's definitely some legs there, and... Like when I was doing my all stealth list thing, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you right now. It's a ton of fun. And Definitely. I think that if you play a Sin Cabal thing and you put as many stealth characters in there as you can, and now that we have a character like Shadowlands Daredevil who can also be a stealth character for you to play around with, I, I think it makes for a lot of interesting, fun things. But, you know, Viper's just an interesting character and one that, you know, just... Just doesn't quite fit the bill for me, but that's okay. But I'm just glad to see that at least every character was taken once. Even Cable was taken once, yet the person's not intending to play the X-Force leadership. So that's really kind of fun there. It's great to see, just for the game itself, that there's no one being left behind. Because there have been characters in the previous seasons that have been left behind. Absolutely. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's, uh, it's just nice to see. Like you said, now let's skip ahead to tactics cards and then we'll cover crises kind of at the very end here. And I want to start by saying, of course, it makes it's no surprise to literally anyone that Brace for Impact is number one with 60% of rosters taking Brace for Impact. It is a great card. Brotherhood is so popular, but just in general, I think that being able to full-on prevent at least one throw is more than worth it for one power. So I'm glad this card is still here. But the second card in the slot, the change from the old rules to the new rules for makes sense, up 28% is patch-up. It's the only healing card left that's unaffiliated that doesn't require a specific character because I think we are Groot's unaffiliated too, but it requires Groot. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not surprised here at all that patch-ups up here at 44% of rosters taken. The next one though, or the next two really, are the two that I think are somewhat surprising, but also I think it makes a lot of sense. And that is Mission Objective, is the third most taken card in 40% of rosters, and then follow me in 36% of rosters. I think those two are really interesting, and I think the reason Missing Objective is here is because there's not so much healing anymore. So you've got to be able to try to control points where and when you can. So if someone's going down, then you've got a person right there to be like, hey, give me that objective. Give me, give me that extract real quick. And boom still scoring the points and I think that is a direct relationship to the fact that healing is gone is why mission objective is up so high and uh, follow me I think is just finally getting its day in the sun as being a really good card six power to to have a character within three go right after one of your other characters usually very much worth it so I don't know. What do you think, Aaron? How do you feel about those two cards? Um, I think it is perfectly understandable why the 
you've seen the increase with these cards. As with everything, if you take the thing off of the top of the ladder, there's going to be a power vacuum and something inevitably needs to fill it. Um, mission objective is, for me, the one card that you put in every single roster in the game. I think it's the biggest auto-include, genuinely, um, of the entire game. More so than the restrictive cards, uh, such as Brace for Impact, but that is just me personally, so I can definitely understand why that is there. Um, I think it can win games. I think it can completely change the way your opponent has to play, completely give you different options in a situation where you might not have had any. So I'm, I'm perfectly understanding of why Mission Objective is there. Follow Me is a card that we over here started to see a lot of when Thanos started to prop up a lot, as I think a lot of people were using him, using Follow Me either as a way to deal with Thanos or Thanos was using it so that the person running Thanos could activate one character and then activate Thanos. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's perfectly reasonable both, that both these cards are where they are at the minute. The top two, Brace for Impact and Patch Up, again, a, a, a very understandable why they're there. Um, Medpack being gone just means that patch up is now almost twice as valuable as uh, twice as valuable as it was before. I'm surprised that Indomitable isn't over isn't higher than Brace. But that again is just me personally. I've never used Indomitable and I've only used Brace a little bit though. So maybe that's just not that's me not understanding it, understanding it from the perspective of someone who's used them. Well, hang on, I can as someone who uses Indomitable in every nearly every match i i'm shocked that it dropped from the change to the old rules to the new rules it dropped 40 percent. so it yeah, was crazy. it was going to be where brace for impact is that's where it was going to be and it blows my mind because i get that it's restricted i understand that it's restricted and i think that the fact that it got restricted it really hurt it's you know you're gonna see, you're not gonna see it very often. However, it's still great being able to prevent you from being displaced, to be able to prevent a Web Warriors player from pulling you off of a point or from pulling you somewhere, or to prevent Magneto from making you get into his zone where he can get rerolls. The, the little things like that. My favorite time to use it is when I'm going up against a Juggernaut and they tr and he tries to throw one of my characters long and i'm like oh no you don't <laughs> you don't get to throw that character long and you just burned a tactics card mine was cheaper than yours <laughs> you know what i mean i love that yeah I think, I think that's the kind of situation where it really shines what we'll never know but i'd be really interested to find out is how much of that 28 percent gain on patch up came directly from players who dropped indomitable because they just decided actually I'd rather have some form of healing now they've removed the others than some form of being able to stay where I am. Because I do think you'll find there's quite a high correlation between those two in terms of staying where I am is no good if I'm going to die. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that that's a, a really insightful way to look at it. I think that there's a lot of things that, that came up in this. If you look at like kind of the biggest gainers, you've got patch up, follow me, um, was it no matter the cost fallback had a huge come up, which, you know, that's one that, you know, I've seen for a while, you know, it's one of those that I've played around with kind of casually and whatnot. And like, like, it's good. Like I, I, I get it, get it. You know, I don't, 
I don't know if it's like 20% of rosters good, but it's all right. It's all right. And I get it. You know, being able to, hey, you're still going to get the attack, but I'm going to move back and now you can't get my objective. I like that. I like that. But I still feel like that there's stuff out there that it's like, I would rather have. But when I look at things like advanced R&D that took a 19% hit, right? It's down 19% because it got restricted. And then sacrifice also down 19% because it got restricted. You know what card that I'm surprised is not higher up than it is? I mean, it's still pretty popular, but escort to safety. As popular as sacrifice was, and escort to safety not being up in that top five kind of surprises me because there's very little ways for people to kind of save their friends now. And escort to safety is a very good card for saving your friend when you need to, you know? Yeah, I think it's a very good card for it. Maybe it will get its day in the sun once more when kind of this settles down and people can see what difference the standard format makes. Um, I do think it is one well worth having a look at now because for the same amount of power you would have potentially spent on healing somebody before you can try and move them out of the way of something. Um, I don't know. I guess we're in a fun place where we're going to have to see how this plays out and see what kind of happens with the tactics cards, um, which is nice because you could have kind of picked the main tactics cards people were going to take before, give or take a few. So yeah. seeing it shaken up a little bit is exciting. That's the thing. It, it is really exciting to see this kind of a big shakeup here and to see kind of how, quote unquote, some of the mighty have fallen. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And John, is there any card in here that kind of stands out to you particularly that you want to talk about? I mean, I don't think there's anything that I look at and I go, that's a little bit odd. I mean, the mass increase in marks for death surprises me. I mean, a 17% increase after they announced the changes, I wouldn't have guessed for Mark for Death. But then I can kind of see with them removing some healing why you'd suddenly go, well, let's see what else we can remove from a character for a round and see what we can get done. Um, but I didn't think it was going to be top five. Yeah. And let's not forget, Mark for Death was originally seen as kind of like this anti-black cat tech. And... Yeah, it's a really good card in its own right. It makes a character's speed slow for an entire round, and it removes stealth. So Black Cat's a really good candidate to use it against. But you know, with the popularity of Shadowland Daredevil, he's got stealth, and then making him move yeah. slow that'll be really good against him. It'll be really good against Miles. Really good against any character that has stealth, and does not want to be moving slow. I mean, I, I think it's just a good card in general, and it's pretty low yeah. opportunity cost as well. Definitely. Someone like Miles really hates it because he can't modify or reroll his defense dice either. So if you manage to get some good damage through on him while he's marked for death, he's got no stealth, he's moving short, he doesn't get any spider sense rerolls. Somebody like that really does dislike it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Aaron, do you have any uh, tax cards that stick out to you? Just flicking through them at the minute, um, I think, as John said, there's not anything hugely surprising. Exceptional healing has seen a little bit of a nice increase, um, as has Helios, to be honest. They've both gone up a little bit. Hood's Gang, I suppose you can expect to go with the fact that more people are taking Hood in the first place. Absolutely. Um, 
all according to plan. Again, more people ring from a syndicate. It's almost an auto-take there. One that's quite surprising to me is it is quite a big jump is face money. So that's gone up quite a bit. That's a 7% increase. I love which is pretty me. interesting considering it, you have to take a punch to the face when playing it. You don't um, have to because it is a May. Your opponent does not have to attack you. Oh, okay. Well, I think 90% of the time... Um, Why wouldn't you? People are going to be taking that free swing. Exactly. I'm going to take a free is... swing every chance I get, baby. Woo! Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, if you want to if you want to make Venom face you, he's going to bite your head off. But um, I think that's very interesting considering the healing's gone because, you know, previously that could backfire quite badly, but, you know, you'd have some healing that would help deal with that. Now it can really backfire quite badly. That's exactly it, man. It's definitely a risk reward situation. And it's one of those things where I, I love that card, but I think you have to have a plan on how to use it and you have to be ready and have a backup plan if the dice just go against you. Because let's be real, the dice are going to dice and they're going to dice really hard sometimes. You know, just just let me just go ahead and say a little something for my friend Matt out there that could not get Juggernaut to do anything with his eight dice attack last night in his league match. You know, I feel you, brother. I feel you. It happens to the best of us. So. Well, we've, John and I have just both had notifications from the good old AMG. They've just shown off a new character card. I'm sure they have. We'll have to talk about that on another episode, though. Oh, sadly, we don't have time today. I don't think, do we? No, I've got to, got to get to work here shortly. But, um, I'm, I'm sure we've got, I know the suits are waiting on the Black Swan and Crimson Dynamo reveals from this show, but it's going to have to wait, unfortunately. But don't worry, don't worry. We're, we've got it all in in the pipeline, as it were. I love how you've just teased everybody there, like, oh, have they? We're not doing that today. Tune in for more news later on. Tune in next time. <laughs> yep. you got to keep them hungry, bro. That's it. we got to keep them hungry. So the last card I want to talk about here is one that when it first came out, I was like, oh man, this is a really interesting card. And one that I felt like would be a little bit more popular than it initially was. And that's Warpath. So Warpath had a 9% increase. So it was only a 1% card and it had a 9% bringing it to 10% of rosters or taking Warpath. Now, a lot of you are probably asking, what is Warpath? I've never heard of that card. It came with Cable and Domino and it says, after an attack that damaged an allied character is resolved, the damaged character may spend one power to play this card. This character may advance short toward the attacking character. So the reason why I think that that's an interesting card is especially in these like more stealthy lists and stuff like that and some of this different stuff that people are trying to kind of play right now, I think that if you survive an attack, being able to get into a position... On a, with a character that has maybe martial artist, like maybe it's someone's attacking you from range three and you want to get into martial artist range. Well, being able to spend one power, move up, now you're in martial artist range and their secondary attack is much less enticing. Or being able to get in range for you to be able to follow up an attack on your subsequent turn, I think is very exciting and very interesting. And with as popular as fallback is, I'm surprised that Warpath isn't kind of up in that zone as well, because I think that it's kind of, it's different, but really kind of a nice card that can kind of surprise your opponent with how it's deployed and whatnot. So 
just want my little honorable mention there. And lastly, let's take a look at crises, gentlemen. And the most popular crisis of all the crises, like Secure and Extract, is hammers because who doesn't love a hammer? I mean, honestly, like hammers is fun. It is just a good time. And if you're someone like me who has a bit of a plan for hammers, I'm so excited to see that it's very likely to be played because I have a bit of a plan for it. So I'm excited to play it. And, you know, as long as I don't run into a really terrible matchup, I'm going to be doing my plan if I see the hammers out there. So, you know, and then in terms of secure crises, we have Demons Downtown is the most popular at 42% of rosters. I mean, it makes sense. It's a really neutral crisis, I think, overall. And you can mitigate the incinerating and stuff like that from different things, but it's a fun crisis. I like it, and it fits the attrition style that I think is going to be popular going forward. And then the next most popular secure, which I'm surprised to see, is Intrusions, which is also a really good crisis, but I'm surprised that it's up there so popular. Tied with Mutant Madman, which I think everybody knew was going to be popular. Is there anything that stands out for you guys in the secure crisis department? I mean, the fact that I think Demons is still right up there. Yeah. The fact Demons is still right up there is a bit of a shock to me because I think the new changes really make everything feel a little bit more fragile. So having a um, scenario that gives out incinerate sort of makes it really risky for both sides now. But I, I can still understand why it's been why it's up there, as I still think it's a great scenario. It's just really hard to play against uh, Midnight Suns now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think it's really interesting because I think that that's there, not because people want to play the objective, but because people want to catch their opponent playing the objective. Yeah, 100%. You know? John, you got anything insightful to say about these? I really like our superpower scoundrels as kind of like just popped in there. I, I think that is a fun yet exceptionally different secure to play with the fact that everybody kind of gains cover unless you're also contesting the point. I think it makes perfect sense with the crimson lists going up that you're going to want five points of secure where you're potentially gaining cover so you're tanking yourself up a little bit particularly given a time when they're removing some healing um it's nice to see what is our newest secure release just jump straight into the top five and go here i am i'm really well taken by a quarter of like a quarter of lists i just think that's a positive for the game because it shows that amg can release new stuff that people do want to play yeah absolutely Absolutely. And I'm glad to see sword bases down lower, but it's unfortunately still fairly popular. 51 rosters have sword base. Ugh, can't stand it. It needs to be bombed. I can't stand it. Uh, so <laughs> I say I can't stand it. Like I had it in my roster at one point last year for last season, but it, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a tough crisis, man. In terms of extract crises, I think hammers make sense. The next most popular one is struggle for the cube. And I think that's really interesting with the lack of healing out there. It's up 9% from the change over. And I think that that's, again, one of those like, okay, well, you might get a couple of victory points, but you're also going to have squishier characters holding these things. And I'm going to try to capitalize that is, is what I think people are using as their logic is 
let yeah. my opponent grab some. They take a little damage. They might get a little bit of points, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have the advantage late. Is is maybe the logic? I don't know. Is that something that you guys see there? Yeah, hundred percent. I can understand why people would want to play into that because it's going to be difficult to justify putting more than one cube on somebody now. I mean, you used to be able to just put two or three on someone and go, oh, it's all right, I've got priority, I can just med pack, and they're, they're as good as gold. Now it's going to be really difficult to um, to feasibly be able to do that, I think. Dare yeah. I say, are we entering the Wolverine meta? We are not, John. Wolverine can still hold multiple cubes and heal it all up. That's Maybe right. the man now has a place somewhere at some point on a tabletop I like it, John. season. The Wolverine meta is here. Just, you know, ask John. He'll tell you. Seven, yeah, I'm not, seven I'm people. not sure that's ever actually going to take off, but that's the only use I can realistically see for him at this point. Look, seven people are on board with the Wolverine meta already, John. Seven people in DTS Season 8 are, are starting this train. What really surprised me is seven people have taken Wolverine, but only six have taken Cyclops. I know, right? That's pretty funny. <laughs> I was like, what, what is happening? <laughs> it is what it is, right? It is what it is. 100%. So lastly, uh, I've got a couple show questions from our Discord channel, which if you're interested in checking out our Discord and becoming a part of our patron program, you have to do that in order to get a part of our Discord. It's a dollar a month, so 12 bucks a year. Did the math real quick there in my head. Hold your applause. I know. Uh, but anyways, you can come and be a part of the coolest, chillest, realest, illest, thrillest, bestest, most awesome Discord that I'm a part of. And it's a simple matter of going to patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol where you can check that out and come and join us and have a good time. Currently, we're doing a painting competition, so that's not open to just Discord people or patrons. That's open to everyone. You can find the information on our Facebook page, or if you are a part of our Patreon community, you can check the top pinned post in the painting section there, and you get all the info you need right there. We have a theme, and I think it's fitting considering the stats for Season 7 of Shadowlands, so make sure to check that out. And uh, yeah, we've got some show questions from our Discord right now. And first up, Schultze says, who feels like the next big bad after the metagame shake-up? And what does Cable X-Force need to do to get back on people's radar? And what flavor of Black Order should I play at NashCon? And what's the, my must-go place for hot chicken? So the first thing I'm going to say is for hot chicken, literally, when you come to NashCon, the hotel bar has a hot chicken sandwich that is awesome. Awesome. So I was just going to say that. Um, next up, let's start at the top here. The next big bad after the metagame shakeup. I don't know if I'm being honest with you. Like, I don't think there's any, like, do you guys have a character that you feel like, like Winter Soldier, maybe? Yep, I do, Will. Um, Winter Soldier, genuinely, the storm is coming, I believe, um, where Bucky begins to really outshine his... Uh, Threat value. Oh, I think he honestly will. Um, I think he's so good. I think he's going to be such a pain to see across the table because he can just snog people at range five as well. And now you haven't got med back to, you know, hold him back a little bit. It's going to be really difficult. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, I don't know if he's the big bad, but I can see it. I can see it. John, what about you? Um, I don't think we have a big bat currently. I think the drop-off in Thanos, who was kind of the big bad, I think Voodoo's stats show that he's not maybe as bad as the initial hype suggested he was. Like I said I all along. I think it just shows that with a slight standard reformer, the game is in a good place. Um, I could be horribly wrong, and we might see that throughout the course of TTS in the next few months, somebody really rises to the top and looks like a complete pain to deal with. But at the minute, I think we're in a solid spot where there isn't one individual that I look at and go, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not necessarily a big bad, but I think we're going to see even more of the big green menace that is Lizard on the table. Ah, yeah, I could see that. Healing factor, man, that's going to be good. So, John, let me ask you this first. What does Cable slash X-Force need to get back on people's radar? Um, I don't think Cable particularly needs anything. I think Cable is okay. Um, and also Incinerate would do Cable a world of good, but I don't think we're ever going to get his card updated for just an auto Incinerate. I think a leadership change so that it is similar to Shadowland Daredevils, which has just come out and blown the X-Force leadership out of the water so that it's not once per turn, but maybe once per attack would really help X-Force. But I think what they're struggling from most at the minute is they haven't really had any massive additions that change the way that they play. Cable is an expensive leader. He's potentially not always worth his value on the tabletop. And when they did add new characters in, they added Colossus, who you could also argue isn't really worth his value on the tabletop most of the time. And then you've got X-23, who is amazing and who is great, but doesn't really benefit too much from an X-Force leadership because she's got built-in re-rolls anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think they just need a shot in the arm of somebody somewhere, maybe a Forge, maybe an Archangel or somebody like that just suddenly dropping down and really adding something new to what is their kit because everybody in their roster is good. They just don't seem to get played together. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you there. I think for me, it is a simple fact of give cable six dice on his builder. Give it, give it, give him six yeah, dice. And, you know, and then in that, at that point, you're not having an auto incinerate, but you're roughly 60% of the time you're going to hit that, which yeah. I think is fair, especially for a five threat character that doesn't do much else in, in a vacuum. You know what I mean? And then I think uh, that would, that'd be the one thing I would do to fix him. And then like you said, I think their reroll should be a once per attack. Now that can be a little bit um, slippery, but I think, I think you could say it like this. Instead of once per attack, once per attack action. That way, if someone yeah. has a rapid fire, it doesn't get into a busted territory. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that, that that way you could say, you know, once per attack action, a character can re-roll. And, and I, I think that something like that would go a long way towards towards making that leadership much more viable. So, Aaron, what about you? 
Um, I think they're being slept on a little bit. I do think they're in an okay place, personally. A lot of what John covered would massively help them. What you said about Cable having six dollars again would massively help them. I think that they're, they're just on the verge of being really, really good. They just maybe need a little bit more of a push. I'm not quite sure what that is. I think there are definitely some interesting tactics that help them out quite a lot. Uh, no matter the cost is an auto-include, I think, for them with X23 because you can just do a claw rush and heal it straight back away. Yeah. So I think it's going to be uh, a little while before we see the rise of the X-Force, whether that needs another character to jump on board and help them out or whether they just need someone to put some time into playing them. I'm not quite sure. But mainly, as YouTube I've covered, I think that's everything realistically that we could see that might help them out with what we have at the minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to have to skip a couple of these questions just because we're running short on time. And Schultze, I will say, what flavor of Black Order? The Corvus kind. Play Corvus leadership. Just do it. You'll, it'll be fun. Uh, next up, we've, <laughs> we've got... Um, let's see. Leland says, which character had the biggest fall from grace in the game based on the stats so far? And I think that's clearly Thanos. We talked about that earlier. Tarquin Sweet Biscuits, which spider person does Aaron want to see released next? Uh, Spider-Man Noir or Iron Spider. Heck yeah. I'd be down for both of those. Or Spider-Man 2099 or Silk. To be honest, just any of them. But yeah, Spider-Man <laughs> Noir is one I'd really like. Oh, twenty ninety nine. That, yeah, that's the my that's my choice. Uh, Barncat says, oh. "Will Ant Man be the next Maw and see his usage rise nine times over by season nine? Look, I think Ant Man is a character that is really good that doesn't get a lot of love, and yeah. but he he takes a really high level of play to get the most out of. I think personally, and I've had him on the table quite a few times, and I really enjoy him." And I think he's I think he's definitely due for a come up. And I think someone's gonna surprise somebody with him in their roster this season. John, what do you think? I like Ant Man. Um I'm not too big to say that when we saw the release of Ant Man and Wasp, I looked at both their cards and was like, I think Wasp will probably see more play. Um, I then got them both on the tabletop and decided that Ant Man was by far the superior of those two characters. Um yeah. I don't know why he doesn't see as much tabletop time as you would expect him to. But it is 100% not pleasant whenever you get that bullet amp barrage to the face and the conditions he hands out with it. And then he can just move three quarters of the way across the board and be gone and do something similar at the start of the next turn on another side. I love Ant-Man. Um, and he is a character I have looked dropping into my criminal syndicate list at the minute to kind of see how he fits in there with hopping around points and things. So I am very much on the Ant-Man train. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So BF Trick says, why is Criminal Syndicate the most popular affiliation with so many popular pay-to-flip secures? So I think they're the most popular affiliation because I think that the it's not so much with the pay-to-flip secures. I think the Shadowlands Daredevil part being so popular and that being so flexible, I think is a big part of it. I think that the he's talking about the pay to flip secures. I mean, the only pay to flip secure in the top five is mutant madman of popularity. Now the thing is you're going to see a ton of crises like out there, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're all popular enough except for like, I guess the bottom two of cosmic invasion and mayor Fisk. But 
I think it's more just you're going to see the Shadowlands Daredevil stuff because I think that people like rolling dice. And I think when you stack him with a bunch of rapid fire characters that it, it gets exciting more than anything. And so I think that that's what, what makes that popularity. And people see that re-roll that he provides as kind of a hedge against bad dice. And this is something that I haven't talked about a long time on this show, but you know, I'm bringing Hamdahl, right? And Heimdahl, I keep saying Hamdahl, like it's not spider ham. <laughs> he's Heimdahl. Maybe spider ham should be the next spider person. There you go. But, you know, he's coming to Marvel Champions, so maybe he is. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I'm bringing Heimdahl because I, I want the re-rolls, but at the same time, let's not forget, more dice is always better than a re-roll. You always want to try to add more dice to your roll, your initial roll, than getting re-rolls. And re-rolls have a diminishing return factor. So someone that's playing Shadowlands Daredevil and they're trying to like bring Zemo and and do Hood's Gang and all this stuff, and they're like constantly re-rolling this one single die. I mean, it's a diminishing return. So I think that what's going to end up happening is people are going to realize that as this season goes on, maybe. But I do think that it's pretty decent. And that's the reason why Shadowlands is so popular. Uh, Aaron, how do you feel about that? Um, I think, as I said already, the fact that there's less finals around means the Crimson Syndicate can really move in um, and mob up and sort of do what they do a lot better and a lot easier without having to worry. So I think for me personally, that's probably why I've seen such a big jump with them coming in. Uh, they, they also have quite a tough lineup of characters. A lot of their characters are very tanky, which... You know, maybe that helps with the fact that um, a lot of people have lost healing. So I think that there's a few different factors that contribute towards why they've seen such a, a resurgence in player. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. John, do you have any insight into that before we finish it up? Uh, nothing out there. I've recently hopped onto Criminal Syndicate after the X-Men train, but that was simply because Shadowlands Daredevil dropped... He looked exciting. His leadership is good. He gives me some play with some ninjas, which is kind of like a cool, funky new mechanic that I wanted to see what I could do with and what I could play with. And when you add his leadership alongside Kingpins, there is just some solid flexibility. If you don't get priority and you can't pick your secures, that's fine. I run Shadowlands Daredevil instead. Most of my characters that are in my roster for Kingpins still work. I can still hold my own. I can still potentially win games. I think they are in a very good spot. So I don't think it matters whether it's pay to flip popularity or not, because you can always go with Shadowlands Daredevil and you've still got just as good an opportunity as going with Kingpin. Nice. I like it. I like it. And Suits, with that, I want to say thank you so much for uh, tuning in with us this week and be prepared to have a special episode for the special report coming out later on this week as well. So hope you're excited for that. We're going to talk about my roster and Rosane's roster and our upcoming matchups, all that fun stuff. So be prepared for that. And uh, John, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on the HPP Discord. I am on there. I'm on all the other Marvel Discords. I am also findable on Twitter under uh, at underscore just press play. And I am also findable on Facebook as John Harris, which I'm sure there are thousands of them there. Um, but I have the little orange Naruto sitting on Gamakichi background. Nice. Aaron, where can people find you? 
Uh, so people can find me over on YouTube on the Web Warrior Protocols. I do still have the website, which is webwarriorprotocols.com, and then on all social media, I am now uh, Web Warrior Protocols as well, because previously it was the 14th Legion, but I've managed to change that over. Nice, nice. And uh, for anyone interested in watching my matches of MCP action for Season 8, you can check out my Twitch channel. It's twitch.tv slash DarthBalls05, and that's balls with a Z, because... You know, I'm not changing it at this point, but I'm going to keep remembering to remind you guys that it's with a Z because somebody out there, this is their first time listening and they might tune in. So there you go. And yeah, so twitch.tv slash darkballs05. So come and check that out and uh, totally judge my play, which I, I'm perfectly okay with. Also, you can check us out uh, again on Patreon, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol for as little as a dollar a month. Or 12 bucks a year you can come and be part of our community on our discord channel there and also you can send us emails housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com send me messages on facebook all that fun stuff you know i love chit chatting with everyone you know just because we're not doing a giveaway right now doesn't mean you can't send me messages i still love talking to everybody and uh talking strategy and all that fun stuff so hit me up anytime you want and we'll we'll get a little chat in and uh yeah don't forget our painting competition. Make sure to check that out. Pin post on our Facebook page. And with that, party on, John. Party on, Will. Party on, Aaron. Party on, Will. And power down suits. <laughs> <laughs>